Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I am here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Better than the Edmonton Oilers. Better than Jack Campbell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 6-2 loss, Bruce. 6-2 loss to the Dallas Stars. Second loss in a row. Mm-hmm. That last one was a more frustrating one because I think they let that slip in through their fingers. Ways, this, yes. this one was uh, quite a decisive loss. The grade-A shots, well, they were fairly close. 10 to 8 in favor of the Dallas Stars with the subset of five alarm shots. Grade-A shots going 25% of the time, five alarm shots 33% of the time. Five alarm shots were 7-4 to four for the Dallas Stars. The Oilers have had a couple games uh, recently where they have not had many five alarm shots. So that breaks down to an expected goals in this game of about, about uh, you know, roughly three for the Stars and two for the Oilers. But it was a 6-2 game which is why um, I mentioned Jack Campbell earlier. Bruce, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things and Two Numbers podcast. What is your good thing? All right. Uh, yeah, I do have a good thing today. So I have one good thing. I know it's a good thing. Uh, and this was a play in the second period uh, when uh, the Dallas Star player, Joel Pavelski, who is kind of a closet favorite of mine. In fact, I admire Joel Pavelski, but I did not admire what he did to Warren Fogel on this play when he ran him from behind into the turnbuckle, basically smashed Fogel's face into the glass. It looked like clearly stunned him on the spot uh, with a shockwave that stunned the nearby referee into not calling a penalty, which was pretty obvious. Uh, but what was also pretty obvious was the shockwave extended to Zach Hyman and reacted in a very positive way of saying, this cannot go uncontested. And he immediately took about five hard steps across the ice. I think technically he charged uh, Pavelski. He did. Uh, although he, he hit him clean, you know, shoulder to shoulder, but he hit him as hard as he could. I think that might be the hardest body <clears throat> check that we've seen from Zach Hyman during his time as an oiler. But I thought utterly appropriate. This is a time you stand up for your teammate and you do it as hard as you can. Uh, do it, you know, as fair as you can. Like I say, technically charging. He wanted to get there in a hurry and he did. Um, but if that ref had called charging on Hyman right after not calling boarding on Pavelski, uh, that would have been interesting. But uh, uh, anyway, I thought Hyman's, <coughs> Hyman's re- response and sticking up for a, for a wounded teammate was entirely appropriate. In the end, he actually wound up drawing the penalty because uh, Rupi Hintz then slashed uh, Hyman in the aftermath of the hit on his teammate, Pavelski. So it was quite a sequence, and it was one where the Oilers, uh, 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 I thought, showed well in the sense that that um, Hyman had Fogel's back, and he, I thought he did the appropriate thing. I really would like to see him score on that power play, but that wasn't about to happen. I love that play. I absolutely <laughs> love that play. And I think you nailed it. He he might have got a penalty if it hadn't been um, um, following that uh, boarding play by Pavelski. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Pavelski isn't a dirty player, generally speaking. He's oh. he's a he's a he's an intense player. Nonetheless, yeah. that was a kind of a iffy hit, and it was fantastic that Hyman did that. Just charged right over there, 
And then even better that he did the, um, you know, that there was a retaliatory penalty called on Rupi Hintz. Mm-hmm. Well, but I just not to, I li- go ahead. Oh, I just like the concept of teammates having each other back. And to me, the close. I like the old closest teammate rule. And you know, when one of your guys gets uh, hard done by whoever's closest, and it can be, it doesn't have to be a big tough guy. It just has to be, you know, somebody who's team first. And I think uh, that definitely describes our man Zach Hyman. Okay. I have to have a good thing, or is that the only? Well, as I said, the Oilers had uh, uh, four, uh, five alarm shots, and um, <clears throat> two of them were off the stick of Leon Dreisaitl. One of them was was a you know the one good moment in the game for the Oilers. Really. Well, the other good moment after the other than Hyman's hit. Um, He's, the orders were down two nothing, and the the orders had a power play, and their power plays had up to that moment been tragic comedies of errors, just horrible um, miscues and misfirings, nothing going right, like like happened for the orders all game actually, but um, he uh, it was just a very nice passing play where uh, McDavid put it to Newton Hopkins, faked the shot, then whipped over a pass to Drysaddle in his in his choice spot which is uh, on the right half wall, just down low by the goal line. And he slammed it home, the old executioner shot. And Tyson Tyson Berry had also charged the net, opening up that passing lane. So lots went right on that play. But, you know, Dreisaitl's um, uh, execution, when he, his, his scoring that kind of goal, when he's retired, it's going to just be an indelible image in our head, that goal by him. His his backhand passes, you know, across the seam, and his uh, one timing shot. It's like it's like Gretzky setting up Curry. I can still see it so clearly in my mind, Bruce. Those goals, yeah. and that's what we're going to remember is McDavid. Generally speaking, sometimes huge uh, making that making a pass over to dry settle him slamming at home. It's the thing we'll remember more than anything else. I think of dry settle from this era, and hopefully he'll do it in a Stanley Cup final. Uh, but those were those were two fantastic. Oh, so and his second uh, five alarm shot was in his uh, turnaround wrist shot, which he's executed probably three or four times. And as you pointed out, John Tavares scored a goal with the turnaround wrist shot. Oh, no, it's usually done on the power play. I, you, you don't usually see it at even strength because it's not easy. You need a little time and space to do it. And you're in the high slot, and you get uh, kind of the high post. You get the pa- the pass on your backhand. You're not facing the net, but you quickly turn, face the net, right. and fire away. So <clears throat> you see that kind of shot all the time from NBA players in the high post, or yes. in, they'll get the they'll get the pass in, or the low post, and they'll just turn around and shoot. It's it's very yeah. difficult to execute that shot in an NHL game, which is why you so rarely see it, and it takes a high degree of skill to do it. But Drysaddle's done it, like I say, I think three or four or five times in his career, mm-hmm. and he got off a really good one there, and almost scored, but not to be. Oh, well, those are those were my good things. It, you know, Leon always. You know, even if there, there's a couple defensive mistakes in a game uh, from him, he's always on the, almost always on the ball on the attack, and he was this game as well with those two great shots. But clearly, wasn't enough uh, from the Oilers. What's your go ahead, Bruce? No, was not enough. Yeah, what's your bad thing? I'm going to single. There was a lot of bad things in this game, but I'm going yeah. to single one out that really frustrated me, and it was very costly right away. Uh, and this was 
uh, early in the third period, uh, immediately after Darnell Nurse scored to cut the deficit to four to two, and there was actually a glimmer of hope that there were 16 minutes on the clock and maybe they could claw back into the game. And right off the center right face off, uh, Vander Kane, a Dallas guy just shot the puck into the Edmonton zone, and Vander Kane went over and cross checked the guy right in front of the referee. Penalty. And at minimum, it just drains the momentum of the goal out of the game. Uh, at minimum, uh, where and two minutes off the clock, and at maximum, it costs them the goal because the other team scores on the power play, which they did within seconds. In fact, the two goals were only 20 seconds apart with the penalty sandwiched in between them. And at that moment, basically, in my mind, Evander Kane basically took his team out of the game. They were probably out of it anyway, uh, but I'm sorry, that was a dumb penalty. And I'm not saying dumb player, I am saying dumb penalty. You can't be doing that stuff. And if Kane doesn't know by this point that NHL referees are going to call him when he does stuff like that, he isn't paying attention because they've been doing a lot. And he's got a reputation and some of us deserve because, you know, he, he, he's a, a, a hard player and he, you know, he'll use his stick and he'll use his, his body and he'll, you know, he'll... Uh, he'll play on the edge of the rules, and sometimes he'll go over that edge, and I think he did there, and I think he really hurt his team there. I mean, he's lucky I wasn't his coach. He would have been sitting on the bench for a while after uh, uh, what I would call a selfish penalty and, and a costly, yeah. seriously costly penalty. And, you know, you're just going to be smarter than that. At, uh, uh, you know, at that level of experience, right? Team comes first, winning the game comes first. All of this stuff, I mean, maybe there's time for that in garbage time, but this wasn't garbage time. It immediately became garbage time after Dallas scored. <laughs> but they kind of kind of got that in the wrong word. And, and that was the one time in the game that I that I was actually kind of mad at a player. So I, just, I just thought it was totally needless and, and, and hurt his team's cause for no reason. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I usually don't like to, like, penalties of aggressive penalties. I usually don't like to criticize the orders for, like, when they're being aggressive and might go over the line. But timing is important in, in that kind of play. And um, there was no need for it. it like, because there was no need. Like, he wasn't making, going to make a play there even. Like, what I was just the dumped play? it in. The puck was already gone. <clears throat> yeah. So, not a good play, obviously. And uh, um, Kane not a good game for Evander Kane. I gave a number, like I've already graded the game. I gave a number of players threes in this game. Um, I'll just go down the list. I gave Nuge a three, mm-hmm. Kane a three, Yamamoto a three, Fogel a three. Uh, this is in three, that's three out of 10. That means a poor game. Kulak a three and Jack Campbell a two. So lots of players with really weak grades in that game. And Kane was certainly one of them. And that factored into it. That was not... Um, a good play at all for him. My uh, my bad thing, Bruce, was the first goal against, which I just think was a. We uh, we've already gone over that goal against, and we agreed. I think every single player, every single positional player on the Oilers made a mistake on that sequence of pain, and it was just they were just mental errors. Like these, it wasn't like a particularly dangerous dangerous situation. It starts out with Dallas with the puck in the corner. And a typical kind of board battle in the corner. Everything's under control. But just one guy after another um, 
making mistakes. And, and in some ways, it's the first mistakes which are the worst because they set off the chain of events, right? right. So Cody Cece's right at the end and he can't cut off the pass, you know, through the, you know, you know. And he, so, he can't put out the fire. That's he can't put out the start. Yeah. We count that as a mistake. But really, McDavid allows the guy to come out of the corner and make a pass kind of into a danger area. So the center doesn't cut out the pass. And then Zach Hyman, he doesn't read that. And he allows the initial shot fight by Jason Robertson because he's he's not really on the ball, look ch shoulder checking, head on a swivel. And he allows his, you know, somewhat dangerous shot. And Robertson, I think it was Robertson who got off that shot. Uh, maybe not. Anyway, one of the Dallas, because misses the net and then goes to the side. And then it's Robertson who gets off the next shot, which is quite a dangerous, that becomes a dangerous shot because he gets that on net. And it's a quick shot, very quick shot. And and on that one, both Nurse and and especially Nuge are kind of asleep at the wheel. Like Nuge just doesn't battle hard enough for that puck, and um, yeah. he really doesn't. He's not alert at the start of the game. And I've heard one I was talking to one uh, Oiler observer, and he was just saying like, when he's watching the Oilers, if they're going to have a bad start, he's watching Nuge because he thinks mm -hmm. Nuge is a bellwether of this team. Yeah. And if he's not on the ball and hustling hard, then the Oilers are going to have a bad start to the game. Well, they've had a lot of bad starts to the game, and this was one of them. And Nuge was certainly asleep at the wheel there. Nurse doesn't make the play, and um, then CeCe can't make the play either. So all five orders, but I think it's actually the three forwards. And Nurse got on the wrong side of that puck battle at the yeah. bottom of the circle, too. Eh? There was Nurse and Nuge together, and somehow the puck and at least one Dallas guy got inside of him, and yeah. that was that. So I'm not... I think the two defensemen were the least to blame. It's the three forwards. And these are all very well-paid um, veteran forwards. You need to clamp it down early in the game on defense. They, you know, until that, you know, just get on them. Don't let them give up that first goal. You've been doing it too much this year. And it's plays like that where there's a lack of defensive intensity. Um, essentially that, which is the culprit and goal against. So bad things start happening from there. Yeah, when you got a Dallas guy with an unmolested shot at, at, the, at the net and Joe freaking Pavelski at, alone at the side of the crease with his stick on the ice, tapping, oh. you know where that one's going, right? Yeah. No, Campbell <laughs> How many tippings has Joe Pavelski scored against the Oilers? A thousand? Yeah. <laughs> Campbell, off Robertson shot there. Uh, Campbell did kick out a rebound, but that was a hard save because it was such a quick and dangerous shot from Robertson. Campbell mm -hmm. kicked it out there and then was put back to Pavelski across the seam and CeCe didn't stop it. But I didn't I didn't think Campbell was to blame on that one. We tagged him on other goals, but that was a tough save, the initial save. And you just hope the goalie makes the save and wherever the puck goes, it goes and it's up to everybody else to cover up for it. But by then, you know, it's just one mistake after another. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah, well, I got some interesting ones, but I guess my official number, and I'll try and shoehorn the other one in in a minute, but four, five, and zero is my number. And that was 12 games in the season. The Oilers have played nine games in the friendly confines of Rogers Place, and now they're four, five, and zero, where they've lost five regulation games of their first nine home games. This is where you're supposed to be... Uh, have the advantage, you got the last change, you, you know, the other team's traveling, you got, um, you know, this supposedly strong team, you should be banking points. 
and have a losing record on even a, even an average team will be better than average at home typically. But uh, four, five, and oh, I mean the Oilers are already at a sort of a minus six disadvantage road to home games on the remaining schedule, and they're behind the eight ball at home. You know, four, five, and oh, they've got three and oh on the road. Thankfully, hopefully they can continue something close to that. But uh, this uh, this record at home and. Frankly, after the disappointing way that they lost the last game by giving in three in the third period, three unanswered in the third period, uh, to then come out and get swamped six to two. I mean, that's a four-period span where they got beat nine to two in their own barn. Nine to two. I mean, not good. Not good. Not, not good enough. Not, not good. Not good enough. All right, Bruce. Uh, my number is. 874.874. That's okay. Jack Campbell's um, save percentage, 0.874. And of goalies started, um, I'm saying a starting, of goalies who have played five or more games in the NHL, so kind of the starting goalies, there's 39 goalies who have played five, or have appeared in five or more games. Mm-hmm. And, and Stuart Skinner is um, has the second highest save percentage at 9.944. After Jake Ottinger, mm-hmm. he's played in five games, and of those thirty-nine goalies, Campbell is second from the bottom. He's at eight seventy-four. Elvis Merzlikens is at the bottom with eight sixty-three. So this is a real slump for for Jack Campbell. His um, quote: He's talked to the media, and this is uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman on Twitter reports this. Uh, Jack Campbell saying, "Quote." It was kind of like it's gone all year for me personally. I just haven't brought my best. Frankly, I've just been pathetic the way I've been playing. I owe it to to this team to bring my A game, and they haven't seen it yet, unquote. So that's a very fair assessment from from Mm -hmm. Jack Campbell. This was probably his worst game of the year, I'm going to suggest. We had him making mistakes on uh, three of the first four goals. The the far out one, it was, I think, Miller, Colin Miller, who drilled that in. Louis was, you know, making it sound like Bobby Hull fired that puck. And it was a hard shot, but it was clear Louis, Louis DeBrusque was initially kind of covering, I thought, for Jack a little bit, but then backed mm-hmm. away from that when he saw it wasn't screened. And um, it wasn't screened. He should have had that. And it, hit him in the I glove. Hit him did in it the go glove. through it or did it bounce off and over it? <clears throat> I don't the, know. The webbing in the glove, it had, looked like it had almost a puck-sized hole in the webbing. Maybe they should try tie, tying that up a bit tighter. But there I don't was a know puck. if that's what happened. It looked like yeah. it might have. Yeah. Saw it happen in baseball. Vladdy Guerrero, he did it, I think, twice this year. With a throw went right through his glove because the webbing wasn't, wasn't well, properly. Uh, there was a, anyway, that, that might as well have. I mean, there was a puck-sized hole in my head after that one. That, that hurt, <laughs> my, hurt my brain to see that. Uh-huh. And um, I think Koskinen would have had it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> He missed Robertson's shot um, shortly thereafter, or eight minutes thereafter, the the, uh, the 3-1 goal. One that hit the post and then... Yeah, Robert. It was, yeah. Like, yeah, it was a B shot, though, eh? It was a B shot. You know, goalie should have that, though. It only goes in, on average, about 10, 10, 12% of the time, a shot from that area. Uh, it was a good shot, but he's got to have that one. And he lets out a bad, rebra- a bad rebound on the next one. It's on the power play. Uh, right into the slot. So he 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 had a really rough game, 
And uh, as we say, you know, according to our, our calculations of these shots, he should have let in about three goals this game, and he let in six. So not not his best night, and he's just off to a really rough start. Now again, he's he he had a he's had five good pro seasons in a row up until now, and he had um, a really great run of games in Toronto last year, and he had a really bad one when he was injured. He's not injured now, but he, I think there's probably and I mentioned this last game when he had another bad game or week week game at least um he is on a new team he's settling into a new community he's settling in with new defensemen he's probably he may be feeling some pressure from a new five-year contract at five million dollars a year like there's a lot of things a lot of change in his life a lot of things different i'm not gonna say anything more than he's on a bad streak anything about the signing at this point he could easily turn it around and start to play well like he did in toronto for a long games he made a few nice saves where he sealed the ice from shots in close. Yeah. But but now his last three games, 861, 826, 833. That's three games in a row. 15 goals on 95 shots. And uh, the Oilers were lucky to win one of those games in Chicago, 65. Uh, actually, two of those games, because they also beat Nashville 7-4. So, you know, he had lots of goals for it. Well, today, the Oilers couldn't quite score the seven goals I would have needed to win this game. But you'd like to think he's had eight starts and he's allowed three plus goals in seven of them and four plus in five of them. And that just—I won't call it pathetic—and I'm actually a little disturbed to hear. I I was hoping that he was past that. He did that in Toronto a few times. You know, he'd play actually half decent, but he'd have one goal that, as the announcers would say, he'd like to have that one back. Or as I would say, he should have stopped that one. Yeah. Plain English is, is, is sort of out of style these days. But uh, anyway, but, and after the game, he would abs- absolutely berate himself and his teammates would have to step in. You know, like I thought, you know, this is borderline, uh, you know. Yeah, fair uh, point, Bruce. And, I, and I, so I'm, I don't like hearing him use words like pathetic. I don't mind him taking, taking responsibility and that's a fine line. But uh, uh, it's a... It, Something's got to turn around on the confidence building front. When you hear people describe themselves as pathetic, they got a long ways to go. Well, on that I, front. that's a very good point. I hear that uh, there's one foot NFL football team. They were all given copies of this book by uh, Ryan Holiday, and he's like a modern stoic, and he's written a number of books on stoicism. Anyway, this I can't remember which team it was. It might have been Seattle or another team. They were given this book as a gift, mm-hmm. and they all read it. They all read it. Apparently, the whole team read it. Some of them mm-hmm. probably read it but and then they went to the super bowl so maybe jack campbell should read a game uh, some ryan holiday and uh, increase his stoicism in the face of um As kind of thing because, you know i like grant fuhrer's attitude and i don't know yes. what was going on inside of grant it might have been eating him up but it was like oh yeah it was my fault and but that would be it right I, I lost that one but it was always kind of said in this kind of um happy-go-lucky um attitude now i don't know if there was inner turmoil with fuhrer but that's how he he was always on the outside. It was always just, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was my fault. I let the boys down. But it was quickly allowed everyone, including himself, I think, to move on. Mm-hmm. And um, make, yeah, maybe no teammate well, blaming, and I respect that. And I haven't seen Campbell do that even remotely, even once. Yeah. And so I do respect that. But uh, self self assessment's mm-hmm. good. Uh, self uh, criticism is good. Self flagellation, not good. It's hard, eh? Like when you're the goalie and the defenseman, I feel for the goalies and the defensemen because they often 
bear the brunt of that. Like they, when they make a mistake, it's in the back of the net. It's really hard to deal with. And um, so, but he is an NHL goalie. He's a professional. He's going to let in a lot of goals. He's going to make a lot of mistakes and, and just take a few too. Yeah. So I think they probably have sports psychologists on the team. So maybe they'll work with them on that. So Bruce, any other, uh, yeah, but this number is too good. These numbers are too, too severe to not mention. Uh, Oilers had six power plays to three for Dallas today. Uh, the Oilers were on the power play for 11 minutes and 27 seconds during which they got six shots and allowed three, including two sort of, dangerous ones on their first power play when they were totally asleep and and one goal so six shots in 11 minutes and 27 seconds dallas had three power plays two minutes and 34 seconds eight shots and two goals so they actually had more shots in two minutes than the order's potent lethal power play had in 11. So however potent and lethal the Oilers' power play is, their penalty kill is the antidote for that. And then some, I mean, they that penalty kill is scaring the crap out of me. It is so vulnerable and and uh, and, and uh, just just riddled with holes. It seems like they're just giving up easy looks from in tight or even inside the blue paint. A couple of them today. Uh, and it's it's a it's a major major concern at this point eight shots in two minutes yeah not good so i was talking about the owners only having four grade a shots this game mm-hmm. that happened against they they beat actually beat the flames when they only had four grade a right. shots um and against st louis in a lost they only had three right the one but, you know but against new jersey last game they had 11 great uh, five alarm shots Mm-hmm. Did I say grade A before I was meeting five alarm shots? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had 11. They had nine against the Predators. They had 10 against Chicago, 10 against Pittsburgh recently, seven against the Blues. So they're, you know, they're getting a lot of five alarm shots most games. So for, this, they just, this was not their game in any way. They were, they were just not going to win this game. So let alone score the seven goals needed to, to win this game. So yuck. Yeah. Well, the good thing about this game is that, uh, I mean, a game against New Jersey, as you mentioned earlier, that loss was really hard to take. It was an exciting game, fun to watch. Yeah. But ultimately, the the result was a was a real kick in the junk. Uh, today's game was a it was obvious in halfway through or even before that uh, the better team was going to win that game, this game, and it wasn't going to be the Oilers because they weren't the better team. And at yeah. least it was unambiguous. And I, you know, if you're going to deserve to lose, then go ahead and lose. It's it's so it's those. It's those games that could go either way that are hard to take. It's like me looking out the window right now and thinking, am I working my observatory shift tonight? Uh, the sky is completely cloudy. It's uh, snowing out there. The wind is blowing. I know it's like minus teens and the wind chill. Like there's 0.00% chance. So I can just put it away. It's done. It's unambiguously yeah. not going to work. <laughs> Let's yeah. move on to next week. <laughs> so now the audience have to do the same. And it is a wicked wicked week what a road trip four games in five and a half days uh, i don't know quite know the order i think it's washington tampa bay carolina florida with the last game being saturday afternoon and that's four very tough teams in their barn without a lot of rest and the orders coming in playing, yeah yeah coming in playing poorly uh so this will be a challenge that will test the metal of the team 
and maybe it's what they need. I mean, the last road trip was was exactly what they needed at that time, and they just need to respond similarly. But uh, uh, they they're going to have to do something different to get uh, uh, to get some results against teams like that in their barns. Indeed, we'll leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.